Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. Today it is the 25th of August, 2022. And on the show today, Matt Wyrick joins us. Talk about the upcoming debut of Cade Cavalli. Also going to talk about some other stories going around the Nats right now. Joey Manessis, will he be here next year? Should the Nats consider keeping him and others? Also an update on the minor league boys coming up next. You are Locked On Nationals. Your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here with Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. Matt, this will be... The last time that you and I conversed on this platform. First of all, thank you for all of your insights and your coverage. These have been some of my favorite episodes that we have done over the past, feels like a couple of years now, you and I have been talking. So we appreciate you always coming on, making time for us and making us a little bit smarter by the time that we're done. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me on. It's always a good time. Talk ball with you. You know, I'm going to miss miss these episodes for sure. And, and a toast to you. Good luck uh, in your future endeavors. I know you're going to kill it. Thank you. I appreciate that. So let's, it's funny. I was recording yesterday with the new host, uh, Ryan Clarion, and we were talking about Cade Cavalli not being brought up. And lo and behold, uh, like an hour after we finished broadcasting, we got, you know, or finished the, the show, we got the news. So timing wise, was this the right time? Because, you know, I think in a vacuum, you could say, yes, it is. But all things considered during the national season, when they were throwing, Jackson Tetrio and Corey Abbott and Evan Lee, all of those guys up in the big leagues, they really were skipping the line just to take care of Cade Cavalli, in my opinion. Uh, do you see that differently? Do you think they should have done this earlier? Or do you think this is the right time? Because he's, he's pitched a bunch and he's pitched really well in AAA. But like, do they wait? Could they have done this earlier? They definitely could have. I think that, you know, for the last three months, really, he has shown that he has adapted to AAA level hitting. Uh, he's been on quite the tear here over his last 13 starts. I mean, some really impressive numbers. The strikeout to walk ratio, despite still some control issues in there, is still very good. Uh, so I think that, you know, he was ready to come up. Uh, the Nationals talked a lot about how, you know, they wanted to see consistency from him and his mechanics and his preparation from start to start. And that's not something you see in the numbers, not something you see, you know, when you tune into the minor league games that are streamed. Uh, so, you know, who knows if he really was 100% ready, you know, it made sense that considering he was a two-way player at Oklahoma and really didn't start pitching on a every week basis until he got into the professional ranks. Uh, you know, it makes sense that they wanted to, to take things slow. But honestly, I think the real re reason here is with the new CBA, players who come up on opening day uh, to start a season and then place in the top two of rookie of the year voting, Cy Young voting, whatever, uh, earn that team a extra draft pick, uh, but they have mm. to have rookie eligibility in order to do it. So by waiting here until this last month of the season, Cavalli cannot exceed rookie limit limits in this season. So he will carry that over into next year. So the nationals will still be eligible to get that additional draft pick. If he does put it all together and have an outstanding rookie season. It's interesting. Yeah. And um, you know, this, there's so much pressure on him not just because of like, you know, it's, it's, a uh, you know, you want this guy to succeed and, and, you know, it's becoming big leaguer. It's sure it's pressure in itself on that. But, uh, you know, the Nats recently with the Juan Soto trade have done a little better job stocking the farm, but like this, this really is the pitcher. I mean, this is the main pitcher that we've been talking about last couple of years 
that they're about to bring up. And with the way things have gone for Patrick Corbin, the way things have gone for Steven Strasburg, and the way, you know, and Josiah Gray is there, and it, it doesn't seem like, I mean, Fetty and, and Joe, you know, Joe Ross, I mean, questions about whether these guys are going to be part of the rotation in the future. Like, this is so important. This is a really important piece for the rebuild. He has to be good for the Nationals to really get this thing back on track. They've got JoJo, and he looks like things, you know, once again, really up and down, still clearly learning. This is a true blue chipper, though, in Cade Cavalli. This is a potential one or no, number one or number two guy, and it really seems like it, it needs to work out for the Nationals moving forward. Yeah, you know, I think you have to include Mackenzie Gore in this conversation, right, yeah, too. Yeah. You know, I think it, uh, at a certain point, we might see Gore, Cavalli, and Gray in the rotation all at once at the end of the year. And I think that's a really exciting process. Well, by the way, where are we on that? Do we, do we think Mackenzie Gore is going to pitch this year, or we, or we think they're going to hold off to the end of the year? It looks like he's ramping up to pitch. I mean, he's okay. still got, you know, a little bit to go here, but, you know, he has not, you know, shut things down. You know, he's got a, a ramp up throwing program going on. So it does mm-hmm. seem like the Nationals intend to get him back on the mound in a game before the end of the year. So I think that it is likely we see him before the season is out. But as far as Cavalli goes, you're right. You know, he is a, an integral part of this organization. And for, you know, the Nationals to move forward uh, and be successful, they're going to need, but between him, Gray, and, and, uh, Mackenzie Gore, probably at least two of those guys to really pan out and be dependable major league starters, hopefully all three. Uh, but to make matters worse, Cole Henry uh, just is, underwent thoracic outlet syndrome surgery. So he is going to be out for the foreseeable future. And if you look at the Nationals farm system, you know, they have added a ton of talent here in the last two years. But there's a big gap between Cavalli and the rest of the, the farm system in terms of where they are in their development. All these guys that they acquired uh, in the trade for Juan Soto, Josh Bell, all were in single A or lower. And I know Robert Hassel has moved up now uh, to double A, but he is still at least a year removed from the majors, uh, if not longer. And the same could be said for pretty much everyone else in the organization. Your Elijah Greens, your Brady Houses, those guys are still teenagers. They've got right. a long ways to go. So, you know, as far as the talent that is going to be hitting the major league level, not just by the end of this season, but next year as well. I mean, Cavalli and Gore are really the only two guys that you're going to be able to, uh, you know, inject into your major league roster here in the foreseeable future. Yeah, obviously C.J. Abrams, Abrams is there, but for pitching purposes, that's the thing is, I mean, you look at all these guys the Nationals have, there's a lot to be excited about, but not much on the pitching front, right? You've got Gore and you got, you know, I've almost put it like this, like Gore, okay, Gore and Cavalli now, have, have, they've graduated. They're, they're about to be, you know, major league pitchers, and we hope they stay that way, and we hope they can stay healthy. You look down the pike, like they're not about to keep, like you mentioned, tossing guys in the big leagues now. There's a lot of questions about, hey, who's the next starting pitcher it's a prospect they're going to bring up. I mean, you know, Wood, Hassel, uh, you know, Adrian Abrams just went up, you know, um, uh, you know, House, you mentioned. Yeah. Susana is the next guy we have but to look at. Like, you know. Yeah, in single A, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on Cade Cavalli, though, what kind of pitcher, what kind of pitcher can Nationals fans expect? What does he bring to the table for those who have not been able to watch him uh, so far, you know, in his minor league and all, maybe even his college campaigns? Yeah, well, he fits exactly the type of mold that Max, or sorry, Max Scherzer, that uh, Mike Rizzo has looked for in starting pitchers. Big guy, tall presence on the mound, power fastball, tops out 98-99. You know, he's got a a repertoire that's still developing here, you know, curveball changeup that are still kind of being implemented, you know, the slider as well. Uh, it remains to be seen just how developed that's going to be. And and his ability to mix up pitches is something that he was kind of working on 
down in the minor leagues is a big emphasis for him is, you know, once you get through the order once or twice, how are you changing your looks to opposing hitters? That was something that he really didn't have to do back in the college ranks and that he's been trying to do here more uh, in the professional uh, minor league system. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the major leagues. He's got some control issues. The walks were a problem. Home runs, though, not really a big issue for him. He really hasn't given up much long balls at all uh, in AAA this year. So that's an encouraging sign. But just how much he's going to be able to stay in the strike zone is going to be a big emphasis and really the determining factor as to whether he can stick in the majors or not. And, you know, it kind of gets us to our the, the next guy I want to talk about. You talked about Yarlin Susan. I mean, that was some footage we got yesterday. Good Lord, this kid, kid he's got a, a howitzer. I mean, 103 last night down there in Fredericksburg. And also the slider looked like it was, what, 95 uh, as well. I mean, this guy, this was kind of the big lottery ticket, right? I, I know Wood, I know Hassel, you know, they're, they're down there. And they don't feel like super lottery tickets, but like, they, so they are somewhat. But like this, this kid's the legit lottery ticket. I mean, that's, that is unbelievable stuff that he's already got at that age. Um, you know, you wanted to be a starting pitcher, right? But like this guy is at least going to be a really effective reliever uh, at at the bare minimum. And I, I don't know how Nats fans don't get excited about what they saw it just in small footage. And also, I think it was what five innings, nine Ks, one run allowed. Yeah, yeah. I no, mean, I mean he's he's got the tools that you don't usually see for an eighteen year old. I mean, when a guy is hitting one hundred and three, he's usually a bit further along in his development. So it is definitely impressive to see him throwing for that kind of velocity at such a young age. His control, like like with Cavalli, is going to be an issue. And like with any really 103-mile-an-hour thrower, yeah. it is hard to keep a pitch like that uh, in the strike zone on a consistent basis. So, you know, that's something that's going to be up to the Nats uh, pitching staff, pitching coordinators down at AAA, single A, I should say, uh, to work on with him. Uh, and it's going to be, like you said, a, a lottery ticket situation. I mean, you know, I think a guy that we don't really talk about but is a similar player, Aldo Ramirez, uh, who the Nationals acquired in the Kyle Schwarber trade last year, uh, a similar lottery tippet, ticket type uh, throws for a very high velocity. He has been uh, on the shelf this year a little bit with an injury, but uh, is somebody who, you know, the Nationals hope the two of them could come up together. Uh, they're around the same age and, and throw very similarly uh, where they maybe could be in the rotation down the line. But with any prospect, you know, you have to, to have the caveat, you know, they're prospects and, and these things are fickle and the odds are they're not going to pan out more often than they do. So uh, you have to look at the whole body of work here, their entire system and hope that they, are able to get, you know, a couple of guys each year that are coming up in the major leagues and making an impact. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see what he, you know, his development. It's gonna be something very interesting that that we keep tracking. All right. So let's let's look at the the current roster itself and uh what's been going on. Joey Manessis is is just what an inter- I mean what a good story, right? Now I I've said this a lot. It's kind of been born out of like suck. You know what I mean? It's been really awful and that's why he's getting a chance. But Hey, there is a silver lining here. You know, this guy, I kind of I kind of likened him to Paulo Espino, right? Took him a really long time to get his chance. And it wasn't his first chance where Espino's really made his money. But, uh, you know, metaphorically speaking, he's not making a ton of money. But, you know, Manessis is like first opportunity at the age of 30. This guy's been grinding. You look at his baseball reference page, Matt. This dude has been all over the freaking place playing baseball. It's unbelievable. And to see him have the success he has, you know, before we talk about like his staying power, man, is that is that exciting to see? And it's pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, 10 years in the minor leagues, two years of international ball, bounced around between several different organizations, you know, 
really spent a long time in AAA. It, it's awesome to see a guy get rewarded for for sticking it out because you know how many players will you know eventually give up. You know they're like, look, I'm never going to make it. Uh, you know my numbers at AAA just haven't haven't matched up. But with the the guys that are getting called, you know I think it's time I look elsewhere. But he's stuck with it, and that's just an awesome story. It, it does come out of the Nationals being a bad team to be able to give him a chance. But hey, you said the same thing about Yadiel Hernandez, and mm-hmm. he's been an awesome player for the Nationals the last couple of years, at least at the plate. Uh, so, you know, for, for Manessis and, and moving forward, you know, I mean, it's all gravy what he gives the Nationals for sure. But uh, for him to come up in the wake of the Soto uh, and Bell trade, which, you know, on the day that happened or the next day when he reported, I was in the clubhouse and we were asking him, like, what is it like to to be to come up, you know, and having to replace those guys? And, you know, he was very calm about it. It was like, look, you know, that's just the situation it is. But I'm not trying to think about that. I'm just getting my chance and I'm I'm really excited for it. So. Uh, all he's done is rake ever since, and it's been really awesome to see. What do you th- I mean, look? This guy's got nine forty-five OPS. I mean, he's been doing some serious damage. What do you think about him at where he fits in moving forward for the Nationals? Like, is this a guy? I know it's only been one month. He's only played nineteen games, but this is a guy that you. I mean, it's all on the table right now for the Nats, right? There, there's really nothing you shouldn't try. Is this somebody that you think, hey, look, we, you know, I've seen enough. I know Lane Thomas kind of, it, it, it worked out the opposite way. It didn't, hadn't gone well, um, you know, since he played really well. Maybe this could. What, what do you think about his chances of remaining with the Nationals next year? Because he ain't going to cost very much. Yeah, no, he's going to become cheap. And, you know, the Nationals don't really have a, a ton of answers at first base beyond Luke Voigt. So, you know, I think that having him, Voigt, and Yadiel Hernandez in the mix for playing time, at first base, DH, and corner outfield is probably uh, a pretty good plan. I mean, it's going to depend on Manessis and his ability to hit the rest of the year in order for him to really get that shot come spring training. I don't think that anything is necessarily going to be guaranteed. We're going to be seeing right. plenty of spring training competitions next year. And, you know, if he hits the way he is, I'm, I'm sure he'll be involved in that. Uh, you know, no reason for the Nationals to move on from him after all that. Uh, but certainly, uh, you know, they, they got to be excited about this and, and there's going to be a role for him if he continues to hit like he has. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just give the guy a chance, right? That's kind of all, all, all you ask for here. If you're, if you're a nationals fan, um, you know, what else right now with the nationals is, is the most interesting to you at this point of the season, right? This is kind of where it's, I mean, we've cleared the trade deadline by a while now. Like, what are you watching as a, you know, as someone who covers this team as the nationals head towards the back portion of the season? Well, I think one thing you have to look at is this outfield. Like, what is their plan for next year? Are they going to bring in a free agent? Is like a Brandon Nimmo maybe going to make sense? A veteran who will at least give you you know a solid floor of production uh, in the outfield? Because right now, they really don't have it. I mean, Lane Thomas has been up and down all year. He's among their team leaders in home runs, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, just kind of shows where, what the state of this team is. But Victor Robles has not shown that he can be an everyday player at this point. Uh, I think it's pretty clear who he is. Uh, you know, we're, we're kind of past the point of him uh, trying to reach his potential. At a certain point, you kind of have to look at the player and say, okay, this is what we're going to get out of this guy. And we're, we're still seeing rookie mistakes from him in the field, on the base paths, yeah. uh, at the plate, uh, on a consistent basis. And, you know, that's that's kind of inexcusable for a guy who's been in the league as long as he has now. So uh, with that, and, and Yadiel Hernandez not providing great defense in the corner, I think that they got to bring in some kind of outfielder next year. So uh, this is kind of an open audition period. You know, who's going to be able to to be part of that outfield mix next year? Is Lane Thomas going to get another chance to be a fourth outfield guy? Uh, is Alex Call maybe somebody 
uh, who could edge out a player like Robles. You know, there's there's a lot of question marks about this outfield uh, in, in a way that it's so funny. You know, you go back a couple of years ago and they had one of the best outfielders, outfields in baseball, right. and they are very far removed uh, from that right now. And they've got a lot of young outfielders coming up through the system. Uh, but I think that, you know, having, you know, you want to have more depth than you need. And if you bring in a guy like Nimmo, uh, who's got a, such a high on-base percentage, does have some injury issues. Uh, but I think that, you know, you, you're you probably not going to see the Nationals, you know, going for the Trey Turners uh, of the world, the Aaron Judges, this offseason. It's probably going to be more for value buys. But they haven't signed a multi-year deal in a couple of years, and I think that's something that probably needs to happen soon uh, to get some stability there. And I think yeah. the outfield is, is probably the place where I would point to the most. You and I have talked about this too. It's it's like you, you just got to – we talked about with Josh Bell particularly, right? You just – at some point – you got to get some guys just on the books who can help younger players and just, you don't have to worry about it. Like Luke Voigt's a good example of this. It doesn't really matter how well Luke Voigt plays. I mean, sure. In the long term, it's like, look, do we need to find somebody else at first base? Probably. But you know, for right now, like we don't have to worry about first, right? Same thing. I think you're totally on it with the outfield. I think for them, the spots probably where I wouldn't hit our middle infield, just because you want to see how good these guys, I mean, you got, you got between Garcia between Abrams and then obviously, you know, House is the guy next up, you know, kind of we're thinking about like you, you want to still here too. Carter, yeah. We'll be, we'll be coming we'll back next year. Him, right. And, and yeah. so you want to give all these guys a chance to figure it out. And I remember our one big complaint was uh, it was Carter Keebum's third base. Right. And it turned out it was Estrubal Cabrera's third base. Like there is a balancing act, but there is to some, I mean, the outfield, you're totally right. They're at a point now where the outfield, you might just need to, to snag some vets because yeah, and it's been a it's been a rotating door between Stevenson and Robles and Yadiel Hernandez. I mean, you know, Manessas has been out there in the outfield. They they've really been um been switching those guys around. Maybe bring in like a Michael Conforto, right? You know, that's that's one of those guys you could bring in uh for a year, you know, maybe two years, you know, just to just to get somebody in there who's a vet and you know, that's that's a prove it guy. Maybe it could be somebody that you move at the deadline next year. Just start thinking about something that that's stable. It doesn't resemble all of these non, non-commodities coming in and out, right? You want to start to build just a little bit, even if it's not a guy, you know, I mean, not a guy that's part of your next winning team. It's just something stable. And let's remember, no. you know, Mike Rizzo has talked a lot about how he's trying to follow the same blueprint that they set from 2009 to 2012. Mm-hmm. And if you look at matching up those years with the years that we're in now, 2023 is going to be equivalent to 2011, which 2011, the Nationals went 80 and 81. Are they really right. going to jump from they're on 108 loss pace right now? Are they really going to jump from 108 losses to 81 losses? I mean, they're going to have to bring in some free agents if they want to do yeah. it. You know, that 2011 season was with Jason Worth's first season. Are we going to see them bring in, you know, somebody of worse stature? Probably not because they already have Corbin and Strasburg on the books, which they did not have uh, when they had that 2011 season. It was just Ryan Zimmerman uh, was kind of their big guy. But other than that, you know, they didn't really have anybody on the books for a lot of money. So, you know, this is this is a, a pivotal point for this franchise, and they kind of have to decide if we really want this to be a reboot and not a rebuild. We have to supplement our holes with free agents, and sooner rather than later. All right, Matt, we appreciate your time as always. What are you working on right now? How can you tell the folks about it? Where can they find? Yeah, you? I'm actually uh, getting ready to head over down to Fredericksburg today. Uh, I'm going to the game. Going to be talking to a bunch of guys, including James Wood, Mason Denneberg, a few others. Uh, so excited to get down there and talk to those guys. I'll be rolling out some stuff uh, over the next week or so. And, of course, I will be at Nationals Park tomorrow uh, for K Cavalli start. So you can go and check out all of my stuff on the Nationals at NBCSportsWashington.com or on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick.
Matt, as always, we appreciate your time, and I'm sure I'll see you somewhere down the road. Absolutely, man. Good luck.